0: And we're back. Good evening, Patriots. And it's Thursday, July 28th in the year 2022. And yes, on the East Coast, you've already hit Friday. This week has flown by. I swear, I keep saying this, but I swear there has been so much going on so fast. And it's really like time is speeding up. Sometimes I wonder. I really do. Before we begin... Make sure you're taking good care of your health, and to do that, you need some good good things to boost your immune system. To do that, we have Expedition Coffee and the assorted other products that do that as part of your normal day. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Pedris, tonight I'm not going to get into politics too much. Well, probably that somewhere in there will be some commentary because it's part of my nature, but... I really want to just kind of focus in on where we are right now, and there's been some pretty significant shifts. I've noticed, and I'm getting a lot of feedback from other people, and I think it's an awakening in a different level for many. It's a profound awakening to realize that the only way through this is Jesus, and it's our relationship with Christ that's going to bring us to where we need to be. Right now, when we look at the things moving on, the narrative that is kind of portrayed out here with all things is there's kind of like this master narrative done by an elite group of white hats or Q folks or whatever that have somehow engineered this fantastic awakening of the world. And as we're witnessing it and they're pulling all the strings, they're bringing people to, to suddenly break from the matrix and they're in complete control, pulling all the strings on this and, in the end, good people win. It's an interesting story. It makes for interesting scripts. And it makes for a whole bunch of optimistic distortions and foolish assumptions. And so I want to start by just giving some context, some things of information that I do get from people. There's an interesting exchange of some folks that were around president Trump recently. And the thing is that they really were believing and do believe in this battle with Ukraine, supporting Ukraine against Russia's expansion. And so you have to scratch your head a little bit. You're like, wait a minute, you're in the inner circle of president Trump and you're actually believing that the Russian incursion into Ukraine must be stopped. And then you have this perception of the military. And I can tell you in talking to folks that I know that are very well-placed and very high up in influence that the military is a train wreck right now. It's not what you think it is. I can tell you in talking to government agencies over this last couple of years, and people, when I say that, people in places and different agencies, I can tell you that There's a lot of panic in D.C., but it's not because of the white hats in control. It's because many people understand that they backed an injection for a variety of reasons because lobbyists pressured them because there was money in it for them, and they've now realized that they're on the losing side of this and people are dying, so they're doing everything they can to shovel this one under the rug and keep moving on, and they're part and complicit with the crime. And they're more interested now, it's not about a, their their focus is not about preserving the deep state, their their focus is about saving their butt. And I I paint these pictures because we're we're seeing enormous tensions build across the world. North Korea's in play with threats of nuclear war. We have China and the United States starting to tee off into the Straits of Taiwan. We have Russia, who is pushing and cutting off fuel and bringing Europe to its knees. And part of what we're witnessing here is that it's the distortion that we all live under, that we live in countries, when in fact we don't, we live in colonies. And there's colonial masters, and there's an uprising of other rulers They don't want to be under those masters' control, but we're still all slaves. Now, these things are important perspectives because when we frame the world this way, when we frame the world the way that Q and White Hat perspective builds, we're looking for someone else to save us. And you notice that in that process, there's broad references to God, but there's never references to our King Jesus. And this creates some very, very significant problems. Huge problems, in fact, for the understanding of how this thing can end if you don't, if we're not walking with Christ. Right now, this is my, I'm just going to give you my kind of cliff notes on this whole thing. I, I don't think this, I my true belief is this is all God's work right now. And people keep trying to seek a human face to it. And in the process of trying to put a human face to it, they're trying to build stories that fit that. And I believe that a lot of these people that they're expecting to be the great saviors of humanity are in fact embedded and invested in these sorts of wars. In defending certain things that are completely wrong. I believe that the public especially those following and walking in this awakening in Christ, I believe the eyes that have been given to see are profound. I think we're seeing the truth, and we have become the eyes of the world and the wisdom of the world because we are now tied so closely to Father. And I think that what we're witnessing is the fools that we thought were running the world are little more than puppets on a big stage. We have to let go of the idolatries of these leaderships. And that includes President Trump. I have respect for him, but respect is different than idolatry. And having respect for him does not excuse him from criticism and does not excuse him from being questioned in what he does. That, When we get into that place, we're getting into worship. I played a piece earlier today I'm going to play it right now. Oh, maybe I won't. I've got to find it. Sorry. I thought I had it up, but I don't. I'll find it here in a second. The piece I played today was stunning. Because what it showed, and here it is, what this piece shows is just how insane this idolatry is. And I have been saying that there's an idolatry around President Trump, and and I know a lot of people get offended and they're like, well, I, That I just go to rallies. But I want to show you the real evidence that it does exist. So take a listen to this. This guy is surrounded by police. I have no idea what he's done. He has his hands up in the air. He's praying, openly live streaming and praying. And he has his cross out on his, he's wearing a t-shirt. He's got his cross out on his chest and he's praying. I want you to hear his prayer. It will speak everything. Donald Trump, if you can hear us, please, Donald Trump, please save me. Please save me, Donald Trump, please. I'm asking you.
1: Please save me. Please save me. Please get these people away
2: from me. In dear God's name, please stop these people.
0: I don't even know what to do, did he's got cops draw they've drawn their weapons and they're coming towards the vehicle. See this this is the, the craziness I'm talking about. And when we start to allow for these obsessions of leadership then this is literally what happens. You see, the problem we have in this nation is that people have a weak or pathetic relationship with Christ. And part of that, I'm going to be very blunt, is not enough people have suffered, truly suffered, or been put to a point of suffering that they have to confront the true choice between Jesus and the system. Right now, I can list a lot of people that are in that place. And I'm not even going to get into the Vax crowd because that's a whole other subject. We can take our military for example. There's sixty thousand reserve and National Guard soldiers that are being booted out. There's one hundred twenty thousand regular Army soldiers, or I just I will say regular soldiers. I don't know if they're all Army. Majority of them are facing expulsion because they stood for the right principles. And I will guarantee you, the more that they get closer to that termination point. There's going to be some very real experiences in coming close to Christ because that's the sort of pressure that gets us there. I don't have a lot of patience for the lip service of of saying that someone follows Christ. It takes a true releasing in the heart. This individual that I just played, I will almost guarantee you if you sat down with them, they're going to tell you they were reborn. Another word I can't stand not because of its biblical significance, but because of the garbage that comes about by the quick burn reborn movement where all I have to do is get a head dunk in a pool and a little blessing over you and like suddenly Jesus is in your heart and it's all good. This is a testimony of our nation right now. and As a testimony of our nation, we are in the valley of decision. This is critical times. And as the valley of decision, we have to start making the decision, are we truly going to follow our Lord and King Jesus and through Christ to the Father, or are we going to give lip service to it and give our worship to politicians that are going to supposedly lead us to a new salvation as a country? Because I'm going to tell you, I don't care what person is in politics, they aren't leading you at this moment in time. We don't have anybody that's leading you down to that path of Christ. They're all leading you to the revamping of a system to try to make it all better again by just kind of retooling some people and retooling a few things and with that's going to come all the benefits of that a digital currency which by the way Every country in the world is rolling out a digital currency by a central bank. So this whole idea that we're going to be in this new era and the white hats are going to win and we're all going to be free. It's going to carry a digital currency with it. I guarantee you. And I guarantee you, you're not going to see 5g suddenly vanish. And I guarantee you, you're not going to see AI suddenly being put to sleep. And I guarantee you, you're not going to see your data suddenly return to your control overnight. And I guarantee if ever under those controls, and I'm going to guarantee you that you're not going to hear that we're not going to be a surveillance state because they're going to talk about all these terms about how we can make the world better again. We can get rid of crime. We can make things work again. But there's going to be compliance strategies to that that all tie towards controlling your data, your behavior. And they're going to do it through money and they're going to do it through food and they're going to do it through energy. I don't care who's doing it. That's what power does. But there's one person that doesn't do that. And that's Christ. And Christ does not do that. And if when we start to understand that, then we start to position ourselves appropriately. I want to read Matthew 19, 16 to 26. And someone came to him, meaning Christ, and said, teacher, teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. I'm going to stop there for a minute. That's a really profound statement we don't focus on enough. I'm going to tell you right there. Anyway, I'm going to continue. Then he said to, the, to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God the kingdom of God when the disciples heard this they were very astonished and said then who can be saved and looking at them Jesus said to them with people this is impossible but with God all things are possible in other words we are flawed by ourselves we are flawed beyond measure but with a relationship through Christ to the Father, that was his gift in the sacrifice for us, we can be saved. It is essential that this. we have to start pushing this message in its various forms. But the trick is we have to be reminded of how Christ functioned. Here's what we tend to do. We tend to hear that and understand that, well, we get it, and then we want to go out and evangelize to somebody from where we are. But here's the problem. (laughs) They don't have a reference to where we are. They just hear us talking to them, which ends up sounding like we're talking down to them and dictating to them where to go. Christ didn't do that. Christ met with taxpayers, tax collectors, and prostitutes. He met; he put himself between the adulteress and the accusers. He went and into the Pharisees' temple, and he spoke. Every place he he confronted and spoke with people, he met them where they were. Such a profound difference. The dialogues that he has with the Pharisees are tailored to them. The dialogues that he has with The tax collectors and the prostitutes were with them. I've said this before, and I'm very serious. I'm just going to, I will tell you, I did a project in 2005, and I did a photo project of telling the story of strippers in Portland inside their lives. I'm going to tell you, you want to talk about some dark stuff? You have to go to where they are to hear their stories, to understand how to bring Christ to them. There are some great pastors in this country that literally go into those places for the sole purpose of trying to bring Jesus into their lives. And some are very successful, but it isn't, we can't go to people and that's the extreme example. But if we're going to talk to people anywhere, we have to meet them where they are, not where we are and where we want them to be. And that comes from listening. The one thing that I always get from the the stories of Christ is a there's two very important pieces that always come to me when I read the New Testament in particular in his work with his disciples. One, Christ always listens. And two, Christ is always aware of where people are. That's essentially the principle of the parables anyway. Because he talks about that to his disciples when he discusses the parables and he says to them, not all will under, many will not understand this, but you will. He's giving the information well aware that many are not going to hear what the message is, but nonetheless, they will have it and it will be in them and be part of them. I find it equally powerful when he encounters people that he doesn't provide, there's not a ritual issue about coming to God look at what happens on the cross he saves he makes he ends up saving the thief that's next to him there's no baptismal there's no confessional to a broad congregation of people it's the relationship that and the of the heart to the heart See, the, the cool part about this in the relationship with Christ, and I, if this offends people, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to worry about it, because my path with Christ has been amazing. It has been had its extreme brutal moments of getting there. I've had to confront my own vanity in a brutal way. I've had to confront my own mortality, truly my mortality, to the very edge of death, And I've settled into a place of giving completely everything I am to Jesus. I don't ask, I would rephrase this, that's really arrogant, excuse me. I would not expect or want for anybody to walk the path I took. But the point is that The process to get there, we have to come to a point where we truly give ourselves to Christ in everything we do. And then we have to live that to such a degree that around us, people recognize it without us even saying anything. And it's not like you walk around with a banner on your chest going, I'm saved. Guess what, folks? I'm saved. I've told you these stories in my town. That's how it worked when I grew up. I mean, it's literally like, have you been saved? It's like, what? Have you been saved? Well, not today. Well, you need to get saved because the end is coming and we must be saved before the end is come. That's what I call revelationist baptismal saving and is ridiculous. The sincere relationship with Christ, that sincere, loving, compassion with Christ is just giving ourselves fully to him in such an amazing way that we, we admit and confess our sins before them. Romans 10, 9 to 10, that if you confess your with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart of a, a person with a heart with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. But it's the heart of the matter, literally, not in, no pun intended. It is the heart that matters. The words simply are the action, the heart is the core and relationship that we have. And it isn't to live there forever in in misery because we are being sinful. We are sinful as people. It's the virtue of living in this world and living as human and living in a matrix of craziness that's run by these Luciferian nuts in an architecture of a world that is designed from our birth till our death to supposedly entrap us in sin. That's the entire idea. but we have so much control over that. We just don't acknowledge it because as long as we keep eyes on Christ and we're walking with Christ and we're doing all we can to walk in that body. It's like the metaphor I used the other night, which I am going to keep using because I think it is, it's a good explanation of us. We are the sword of the spirit in God's hand. So if we don't tend to ourselves as a sword to be used in battle, how can God effectively use us? I think that's an easy way of putting ourselves in the picture. So if we don't tend, if you haven't done, worked with a sword or a good knife, I'm just, I'll just lay it out very simply. If you have a good blade, you can't just leave it in its sheath and it's going to be okay. A good blade has to be removed from time to time. It must be polished. It must be cared for, wiped, oiled, honed. That's polishing is making that blade sharp. Different types of blades require different types of maintenance. A blade for a katana that's made by a Japanese sword master is one that you you regularly pull out, you oil, you wipe down but you don't polish it yourself because the swordmaster does it because it is such an unbelievably difficult and refined job. But on a regular hunting knife or a blade that you use to butcher animals, that type of maintenance where you're using it almost every day or every time, like on the knife that I use to butcher animals, those knives have to be sharpened midway through. They have, you have to stop, you have to put them on steel, you have to sharpen them regularly. And you have to maintain them. You have to keep them clean. You have to keep them oiled. If a knife gets broken, the tip gets bashed, you can grind it down. Sometimes you're going to have to put it under flame to retemper it. When we look at ourselves like a sword, we begin to appreciate in the sword of the Spirit how much maintenance there is in us for God to use us. And that maintenance of us just walking out here when we're bumbling around without a relationship with Christ is pretty much like casting the blade into the mud and then coming out or leaving it outside in the rain and then getting ready and picking it up. We're going to go use it for hunting and expecting it to be sharp. It won't do that. Our daily maintenance, our daily refinement of our blade, constantly improving that blade. And if you want to look at it like that, look at it like the sense of a Japanese sword. Because when the sword is forged, it's bolted. Good swords are bolted 20, 30,000 times, meaning the, the steel is folded on itself. They heat it, they fold it, they pound it, then they put it back in the in the kiln. And they will bolt it twenty to 30,000 times. There's a small team of people that will sit there and take that small chunk of steel and they will heat it. And then they will pound it out. They will fold it. And this is all done by hand with hand hammers. They don't use big presses like we do now in, in modern sword making or knife making. And they'll put it back in the flames. And they'll do this over and over and over until with the additions of various additives to the steel, they create a steel that is unbelievably hard and it's brought out and it gets closer and closer to looking like a sword. And then as they finish that sword, it'll look like a sword. And that's kind of where, in that process, that's where our life is before we accept Christ. But once we accept Christ, it's now when the sword becomes polished. And the polishing doesn't happen right away. A sword to be polished takes months. In fact, the sword polishing can take longer than the sword making. I have had a sword ordered, a, a real katana. It was made by, it's one of the, it's a katana that was made by a modern day Japanese sword master who this particular sword that I was able to locate was the one sword. It was his finest work. It's his, it's, it's his masterpiece. I ordered that. I purchased that sword and I've asked it now to be, Completely gone over just to make sure it's perfect, including what they call the furniture, which is a new sheath, a new handle, all of these things. It's been seven months. It's in Japan still. And I was told the other day that they apologized, very nice people. They apologized, but they said, please understand, these things take time. I'm not in any rush. Seven months to polish and refine. That's one sword. And the sword was already forged and it was already polished, meaning sharpened. Where We are that type of a creation. And so even when the sword gets perfected and it's polished and all the furniture or all the pieces on it are right and correct, it's not over. Now it's the care, the daily maintenance, the the taking it out, keeping it well. If you're using it each day, then each time you take it out of the sheath, you have things you do each each time you draw it out and each time before you put it away. There's maintenance things you do to that sword to make sure that it remains strong. It doesn't get any rust. When we accept Christ, we are now at the point of polishing. We've been forged, but now we have to be we have to be refined. We're a coarse chunk of steel, and now we're refined. And it is our lifetime, then, of refinement. And when we step off that path, it's kind of like taking the sword and cutting something wrong. Without the right skill, you can damage the sword severely. Sometimes it's a big damage. Sometimes it's a little. But what's happened in our nation is that there's been this kind of casualness of the relationship with Christ, And it's a casualness that says, okay, I accepted Christ. Many. On this day, I did my, I'm going to be a little bit crass, so don't be offended, but I'm just going to, for the sake of this, I'm trying to make a point. On this day, I got dunked in the pool. And on this day, I got the blessing. And I said to myself, and I said to those before me, I am a sinner and I have been, I accept Christ in my heart. Now, that should be a profound day. And for many, it is. But the problem is they drift away. Because it's suddenly like, well, I did it, so it's done, so I don't have the work to do. Quite to the contrary, you did it, it is just beginning, and the work ahead is profound. And unfortunately, when we we come to Christ, and many churches do this, they create these, and I will tell you, the Baptists are some of the worst, and I was part of a Baptist church. And I have tons of respect for the people I was with. But let me be clear, the Baptists are some of the worst because they do a monthly report on how many bodies they've saved. And it becomes a saving mill. And it doesn't set up the infrastructure or the architecture for people to develop a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. It's just like wham, bam, in out the door, got another one, let's throw another one up on there. And all of those translates to bodies in pews and pews translate, bodies in pews translates to dollars in the plate. We have a profound opportunity, all of us. Profound. We have to break from 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We also have to remember Matthew 16:25. for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We should not seek to be preserving our life in the traditional sense, for we are not of this world, but in everything through Christ, everything we are doing, there is literally no limit to what we can do. There is no fear to what we can do because we are doing purely as Father calls and as Christ leads. We become of him, not of our desires, our fears, our anxieties, whatever. And we have a profound Profound opportunity right now in this country to influence a direction and influence a way that is so Jesus centered, but it's not the Jesus that people know. When I say that, it's not the Jesus of the pew, it's the Jesus that was in scriptures, it's the Jesus in the communities. It was the Jesus who was the carpenter, it was the Jesus who was able to walk not in the middle of arguments, not getting caught in the crossfire, but to walk with the wisdom to lead people away from their own iniquities. It was the Jesus that we can walk in where he puts himself between the throwers of stones and the accused adulteress and leaves them each disarmed and gives them opportunity to walk without sin. Choices. And we get there by completely digging in deep to Christ. I have watched a nation from my chair. I'm speaking only of me. I've witnessed this nation move from being the extremism in my life of a religion that was used, unfortunately, very maliciously in very poor economic times to evangelize a message that brought people to Christ but didn't change their heart. That's not good teachings. And many of those people soon on, within a year or so, would drift back to their old ways. I myself was repulsed by the church. I was originally saved when I was about 12 years old. I had no context to what happened. I felt the power of Christ in my life, but... There was no way to sustain it because I didn't understand what else had to be done. And there was no teachings around that. And I drifted away. And my life meandered and wandered through many ways and many experiences, which I am completely blessed that father did. And fortunately, my heart was in the right place because when father finally called, boy, did he call man. And boy, did I get knocked down hard. And boy, did I have a choice to make. And it was before me, and it was a choice. I did not have, it wasn't like I was pigeonholed in and like, this is your only option. I had to make a choice in my heart of where I was going to go. And he put me in such a situation that there was effectively only two choices. For me, there was probably three because I could have just accepted the misery and been angry. But it wasn't that. There was a choice of confronting the mortality and uselessness of life without my vanity and my reputation, which led to thoughts of suicide, which were, were just normal processes of thinking through problems, or the option of letting go of it all and trusting in a relationship that I had never experienced to such a degree that I finally realized that that was the only true path because it was the path of life and light. And that didn't stop just because it happened there. It continued every day, and that relationship is getting deeper every step of my life. What I know is for a nation and the responsibility that sits on us, those of us that walk with Christ... Is we have to start finding a way to meet people where they are, to share our passion and our love for Jesus, to give examples that we have and not feel that because my story, for example, should not overshadow your story because all stories are relevant in this path. And especially as God places us each here, we are here each to share a story with someone else to help them come closer to that realization of Christ. But we live in a stupid world, in a stupid country, philosophy right now, that believes that secularism is the only way, that, the, that man controls all destiny, and that that idea of Jesus puts you in some fanatical, right-wing, crazy cult, as the cult says that to us. <laughs> what irony. I don't want to force anybody to Jesus. But I do want people to witness the power and the love and the strength of Jesus. I don't want people to come to Jesus because they see him as meek, weak, and a smelly hippie. I want Jesus to see the king, the warrior, the mighty man that he was on this earth, and I want want people to see that through me. I want people to realize the power of Christ, the fearlessness that he gives us, that ability to walk in this space and not have to say every step of the way, I'm saved. I'm I'm saved, and you're you're not, you're not a Christian, I'm a Christian. I'm not getting into that divisive nonsense. Because that's not what Christ did to others. I seek that path whatever that is, however father allows for me, I seek that path as Christ walked that path. He was Christ. And I want that power of Christ, that light of Christ and the joy of father just to come out and to resonate with my presence in the world. And yes, I'm happy. So let me just tell you a story of how powerful that can be. For the, Property that we're starting to build out, which will be part of next year's project to start building a youth ministry training facility called Bards Rangers. It's coming. It's a great idea. I'm excited about it. It's blessed by Father. And there'll be so much more to discuss on this. I bought a washer and a dryer the other day for the property so that we can make sure people can wash clothes. And in the conversation... I'm sitting with an individual, and he just asked a little bit, of, what, are you, what are you guys doing? And I told him very casually. I didn't even talk. I'm not going to pull out the card and go, well, we're building God's new army. I didn't get into that, which we are, but that's another subject. I just said, yeah, we're, we're building a youth training facility. He says, well, the guy asks, says, well, what's your orientation? I said, we're faith-based. That's all I said. We're faith-based. And I said, and we're going to be doing some work with others around the country, including We're hoping to do work with Ted Nugent and Shemaine Nugent. And you wouldn't believe what happened. He says, wow, people sure don't understand Ted Nugent. What an amazing guy he is with children. He goes, we give to Ted Nugent. This is a guy, I I don't even, he looks like somebody who should be behind a computer. I'm not kidding about this. He looks like a computer programmer. Looks deceive us. And he says, man, he goes, we give to Ted Nugent every year. He says, well, please keep me in touch with what you're doing because we want to help. We like to donate to programs like this that are going to inspire God in children's lives. That was the conversation. All I used was one word, faith. And I thank Jesus for that afterwards. I'm like, whoa, Jesus, you were right there the whole time. We didn't have to pull out the Bible. See, to me, it's a profound relationship that we have that when it's in us and in our heart, we're changing the world. And as we meet people where they are, man, we're, we don't have to feel insecure. I, I don't feel insecure. I'll tell anybody about my faith. And I'm not walking around like, mm, I don't know if I should say anything about Jesus. I'm going to tell you if I feel like it. But it's also something else. It's deeply personal and beautiful. And I'm not just going to throw it around like a rag doll because I cherish it. And it's in my heart. It's in my soul. It is what has defined me, what made me, what he has done for me. Our nation right now is so wrapped around the tag. I'm this, I'm that, I'm, you know what? (laughs) This is what I know. I'm a disciple of Christ and that's as far as I go because tomorrow God could change my direction and have me do something else. If God called me tomorrow to go get a degree as a nurse guess what? That's where I'd be off to. If God calls me next week and says, well, that's stopped. We're going to, I need you to go over here and get your carpenter skills going again. That's it. But it doesn't mean I'm any of the, I'm all those things, not specifically one of those things. And I'm not going to limit God, and I'm not going to live in my relationship with Christ by categorizing myself and boxing myself in. What I know is my mission, as I hope all of our mission is, is we simply need to bring Christ to this world. That is it. However we do it, we're like covert agents. Today I'm one thing, tomorrow I'm another, because what I do is irrelevant. My message to get to people is what's important. We are in enemy territory. We are trying to take it back, secure the land, occupy the kingdom further, and expand it because It's been encroached upon by one of the worst enemies ever who hates Jesus, who hates God, and it's about time we start putting a crush down on this. And we can do this by keeping our sword sharp and keeping that weapon that God wields as us, as a sword of the spirit, to be mighty in this world and to not falter. And that happens with our true relationship with Jesus and our true repentance every day and our true confession to God and to ourselves and to our heart to understand where we stumble. And when we do that, we are purified in the flames of refinement each day and we get stronger, not weaker. That's a challenge. It's not easy. And the walk with Christ is not an easy one. In fact, he said we would be persecuted. I'd add something else. You're going to get the hardest workout in your life. And it, at times, is going to suck. But you know what? Enjoy the suck. Because that's what the best part of life is. Those moments when you feel it's hardest, those moments when you feel the impossible is before you is right when God steps in and says, you're ready. And we say, "Uh, okay, let's go. Let's do this. And we do it. So come full circle now where we started. The world is completely falling apart. Every piece around this world is starting to tremble and crumble. And it's being run by men. And guess what? It's all screwed up. And if we look at the pieces on the board, you'd scratch your head and you'd go, I see no play here where we can win. No play at all. The devil's got this one. And God's smiling and laughing the whole time. Because God knows something. You see, we're seeing it through one eyes. Ours. And God's seeing it through all the eyes of his children. And just when the enemy tells me or tells you, I've got you surrounded, God kicks his feet back and says, really? You have one of my children surrounded, but my children have surrounded you. You lose. I win. Checkmate. Patriots, keep Christ in your heart. Fight like crazy to bring Christ into everybody else's heart. And through that glory and through that fight and through however you are led to do it, whether it is door knocking, evangelizing, personal conversations, coffee, donuts, I don't care, whatever God puts on your heart to do, never stop. Because this fight is for the kingdom. And we have been blessed with the opportunity to be on the front lines of this war. And never forget one thing God trusts us as much as he loves us. We can never let him down, and with that, we will never lose. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight just very, very humbled. And a beautiful time it is for us to be here. Father, we we are so deeply blessed by what you have given to us, the opportunity you put before us. And so tonight we, we pray for something just very special. Tonight our prayers are for that just profound and deep and intimate touch of Jesus. We just pray for that one touch that everybody can have tonight, just a touch of the glory, the love, and all that he is to reach our hearts, to remind us, to fulfill it, for, refill us, to give us that strength to understand that in this moment we have this. We just have to believe and trust in you let go of all of this nonsense and dig ourselves in deep to our relationship with Christ. Forgive us for the times that we stutter. Forgive us for the times that we stumble because we do. And we get so wrapped up in the stupidity of this world that we forget where our priorities should be. And every one of us does it at some moment in the day or some moment in the week. No one's excused. And we're not trying to hide anything. But Father, we also know something. If we truly open our hearts, and this is what we are most thankful for. You love us always. And as foolish as we can be, we could never have a greater father than you. Thank you. Truly, thank you. And Jesus We just say thank you for all that's been given, all that you lead, all that you show. Thank you. So as we step off into the tomorrow, as we step off into this world, let us always remember, Father, to take that moment. And Jesus, once in a while, you're gonna have to just tap us to remind us because in our busy days, we often forget just to take that moment and say thank you, to humble ourselves before you and realize what an amazing life we have walking in this world, not of this world, but of you, of the kingdom of you, Father, with Christ within us. Nothing can stop that. Nothing can defeat that. Guide us and bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, it's just John 12, 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. We are in such an amazing time. Our lives here given to Christ fully in as much as we can, without any limit, will bear more fruit than we can ever imagine. Be true to the walk. Fight like crazy to see Jesus in everyone's heart. That's the core of victory here. It's not the military, it's not politicians. And all of that's just noise and confusion. The real fight is the hearts of the people. It doesn't matter what they look like, it doesn't matter what, they, what piercings they have, what tattoos they have, whatever. We need to get to the heart. And when we get to the heart and they start to open their heart to Jesus, the most amazing things can happen and transformation can quite literally happen instantaneously. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
2: All this
1: time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the night been pushing through, fight for all. We to lose It's down over the hill where the lost got found Reaching through somehow On the cold days, darling Counting all the ways Where you are a safe place to hide